Coming up next on The Voice of Alabama Politics, our special guest is Senate President Pro Tem Greg Reed. Also, the V-Team takes a look at the Secretary of State's affair. And what's next in the U.S. Senate race? The extreme! It's the extreme! You ain't kidding, Buster. All this and much, much more coming up next on The V. Alabama politics, where we tackle the tough issues so you have the hard facts. I'm your host, Bill Britt, and today I'm joined by Susan Britt, research guru extraordinaire. Nice to be here. Thank you. Josh Moon, investigative reporter and columnist with APR, and a new panelist, Rusty Glover, former Republican state senator. Welcome all. Well, hi, guys. Rusty, you, you spent, what, 16 years in the legislature, and uh, you're, you're a strong Republican, and uh, you, you're one of the good guys. We, we, really, we really appreciate you coming on and joining us. Yes, I, I've, I've been watching for several years, and, uh, and uh, I, I've enjoyed, you know, I get out of the legislature, I'm still a political junkie, and I really keep up a lot with the uh, state politics, watch uh, committee meetings and House and Senate uh, measures in the house, on on the internet, and so I'm very interested and 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 very excited about being here today. Well, we're great grateful to have you. We have to start off with some <clears throat> somewhat <clears throat> controversial and <clears throat> shocking news. This past week, Secretary of State uh, John Merrill uh, was forced to face the fact that uh, he did have an affair after he denied it with a woman out of Montgomery, who had some very uh, salacious information and tapes that she played uh, for AL.com. And if you listen to them, Josh, you could not unhear them. Uh, yeah, don't listen to them. <laughs> don't, don't, don't listen to those tapes, I beg of you. Uh, it's, uh, listen, that's, that was a rough listen. Uh, and, um, you know, uh, you, you, it could not have been handled worse by John Merrill. Um, you know, the way that it all went down, um, you know, first of all, to, to do it. And then second of all, to come out with the, with the ridiculous denial, uh, that essentially called, uh, that woman a stalker, uh, and said she was lying about the whole thing when it was pretty clear that she was not. Um, and then it really became clear the very next day that she was not when he owned up to it. Uh, I just, you know, the whole thing was was a mess from start to finish, and it it basically uh, ends John Merrill's uh, political career, I believe. Uh, Rusty, I, I, you know, as you talk to folks and your area and, and Republicans that you know, how is this playing out? Well, I haven't really talked to very many people. It just, you know, it just came out the day before yesterday, and I haven't really talked to very many people about it. You know, uh, it, it's very, very sad. You know, he, he had a very successful career as, you know, he was a successful uh, legislator, uh, sec a secretary of state. He uh, crisscrossed the state, speaking to rotary clubs and, and uh, all sorts of groups, educating people on the voting process, even having staff members go to people's houses who are uh, unable to get a 
free ID and uh, assist them. Um, it's, it's very, it's, it's a terrible situation. What has happened, uh, whether, you know, there's actually a, a, quite a few uh, uh, people that are calling for him to resign, you know, and of course that's going to be up to him. But generally speaking, a lot of times when you have these types of situations, they snowball and it gets worse and worse. And uh, uh, will John be able to withstand those pressures and be able to serve his, uh, the rest of this year and a half and be uh, an effective uh, public servant? Uh, it's up, you know, time will tell and it'll be up to him. It's really, it really has taken on a life of itself, Susan. And one of the things, Governor Ivey came out this week with some of the harshest criticism I have ever seen her give for anyone. She did. She said, it's always unfortunate when someone in public life, especially an elected official, betrays the trust of his family, his constituents, and those who have supported him. My thoughts and prayers are with all who have been negatively impacted by these poor decisions and bad choices. She didn't mention any thoughts and prayers for John Merrill. That's pretty strong, Susan. And I have to say here, it's my concern here is that the state now has lost a really good public servant. I mean, John Merrill was an excellent secretary of state. He got in there, he cleaned the office up, he got the job done. And now on top of what's going on for him and his family, the, the state is suffering a loss as well. How much should these acts of moral turpitude and lying about them, how much should that disqualify uh, uh, Josh? <laughs> uh, well, if that's disqualifying, I got some I, I got some good news from my Democrat friends because we're about to get rid of a lot of Republicans. Uh, but, uh, uh, those pots calling the kettle black. Yeah, You're right. Well, hey, maybe. Uh, we'll see. Uh, but no, I think, um, honestly, I, I believe that there needs to be a separation here. Uh, uh, and, and we need to, we, I think that it's fair to ask for an investigation into whether or not public funds were expended uh, improperly here as part of this, you know, affair and things that were going on. Um, and, and because I do think there are some legitimate questions raised about that. Uh, in addition to that, I, you know, I do think there are some legitimate questions raised about uh, the the woman saying that, that Merrill had, had used racist comments and had talked specifically about judges in certain areas. Uh, and so I think that, you know, John has answered those to a point, but I think that, you know, we can also investigate that a little bit. Uh, but Aside from that, just on moral basis, uh, I, we've, we've never really removed anybody on moral grounds. Uh, and so I think that uh, I, I don't I don't particularly get into that, because once you start down that hill, uh, I think you've got some bad problems and you're going to start getting rid of a whole lot of people. Right. And, and the Ethics Commission has already said that a rule that sex is not a thing of value. Plus, she was not her superior in any way. Um, she didn't work for him. There was there's no and foul play as far as that goes. Rusty, what are your thoughts on this? Well, I, I really don't know what to think. You know, I, I don't, uh, you know, we, we've seen this in the past. Uh, usually uh, elections decide this and, and uh, people decide when they go to the polls, you know, the issues dealing with moral turpitude. But as far as uh, forcing him to resign or some sort of impeachment or whatever, I just, I really don't see that happening. But, uh, but of, of course, if it snowballs like it does in many scandals, I think we could see something of that nature. Well, I talked to several Republican friends over uh, the last few days, and <clears throat> when I brought up the fact that about impeachment, they said, impeach for what? And, uh, you know, if we, we, again, if we start uh, casting stones at everybody who has made a mistake down at the Statehouse, 
Uh, we might have a whole lot of big old rock pile. Well, you need to bring in like a, a dump truck full. But, <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, again, I feel sorry for John Merrill's family. I'm sorry. What were you going to say? Well, I think I think when impeachment would only occur if it was uh, state property and state. Uh, uh, you know, he was using his his phone, his, his state phone for this, or um, state car or whatever to. Uh, promote this time, type of activity. I think that would be something would be crossing the line. But it, just having the affair, of course, that would not be uh, an impeachable offense. Well, right. I tell you this. I'm sorry, Josh. Going to have to hold it right there. You're watching the V, the Voice of Alabama Politics. You'll never guess what 400,000 people in the U.S. were using when they crashed their cars last year. Nope, not this. This. Distracted driving will kill you. Drive safe, Alabama. A message from your Alabama Department of Transportation. Your career isn't a job. It's a journey. Your next job could lead to bigger things. And you're in charge of how fast and how far you want to go. At alabamaworks.com, you can connect with employers and start working right now. Then chart your path forward with training and career planning tools. That next paycheck is great, but it's only the beginning. Start a great success story at alabamaworks.com. So you got caught speeding. But this time, you got more than a ticket. What are you in for? Vehicular homicide. Stop speeding before speeding stops you. Drive safe, Alabama. A message from your Alabama Department of Transportation. Welcome back to The V of Alabama politics. Our very special guest today is Senator Greg Reed, President Pro Tem of the Alabama Senate. Welcome, Senator Reed. Thank you, Bill. It's always a privilege to be with you, sir. I hope Susan's doing well. I appreciate she, the opportunity to visit with you today. She is doing well. Thank you for asking. You know, uh, you're our second guest since we've been back in the studio. We have had a few technical difficulties today, but thank you for staying on with us. Uh, we're, we have about nine legislative days left, I think, and a lot has been accomplished, uh, so much so that it's hard to keep up with exactly what's going on all the time. But can you give us what you think are the top accomplishments so far? Well, I would agree with you, Bill. We, uh, we've been moving fast. There's been a lot of accomplishments uh, in my tenure here over the last nine weeks. I think it is as president pro tem of the Senate. Uh, it's a privilege and an honor for me to serve. Um, I've got strong relationships with my Senate members, um, both Republican and Democrat, and we have worked carefully together. Um, we have really been blessed in that the issues with the coronavirus, even though they have been very serious and we've done a lot of things to try and mitigate that uh, as a challenge in the state house and for us as a Senate body, uh, we've been blessed with the fact that we've not had um, a group of folks come down with the virus. We've not had to deal with that. Our protocols seem to have worked uh, 
pretty well in navigating doing the people's business and trying to do it safely and efficiently. So I'm real pleased with that. You're right. We've had a lot of accomplishments. I mean, if we look at the first two weeks, um, you know, we had the liability legislation, which was a, a strong um, focus and being able to eliminate what might would be frivolous lawsuits and the like for businesses or nonprofits or churches or individuals related to the virus. We accomplished that. Incentive packages for recruitment of industry to Alabama, which I carried in the Senate. I've carried all of the incentive packages that we've done in the state of Alabama in the Senate for the last five years. That's a very important topic to me, uh, and it has worked extremely well. Now we have those in place. Uh, also, in looking at not paying taxes on any stimulus resources right, that right. you receive from the federal government. Very important. We worked for a couple of weeks, took a break, reassessed what we were doing, came back for four weeks, um, and we worked on issues associated with military legislation, veterans legislation, agency bills, uh, economic development uh, topics. You and I have spoken already about the Alabama Innovation Commission, of which I chair with uh, Education Chair Bill Poole out of the House. Um, we've got some legislation coming there. That's been a focus for us in that window. We had a, a recess for a spring break, then we've come back uh, with some strong action uh, for the last couple of weeks. Um, and again, you're right, we have nine legislative days left. I think that those days are going to lay out as two-day work weeks where we'll be in session on a Tuesday, uh, have uh, committee work on Wednesday, session on Thursday. And for the next month, we're going to run that 2-2-2-2 two, 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 as far as those legislative days. And then we'll wind up with the last legislative day, the 30th day on the last possible calendar day, which looks like is May the 17th. So uh, a lot to still be accomplished, yeah, but yeah. we have really done a lot in that window of time. Uh, and so I'm proud of the accomplishments of the legislature and certainly the Senate body. I know people have commented on the efficiency at which the Senate has has ran this year. When you look out over the the next month or so, are there some things that you want to prioritize, or are you looking more to your members to to set an agenda that uh, you'll help them implement? Well, um, one of the things that's important to me, I just mentioned, there's going to be some legislation coming uh, that's introduced by. Chairman Poole and myself that's related to the Innovation Commission's work that's associated with that opportunity for that work to continue, as well as some special uh, grant programs that are the priority of many entrepreneurs and startup businesses that we found out through the work of the commission in the state. Those are going to be priority bills that are going to be coming. Uh, we're going to have some other topics that uh, are going to be uh, priority legislation uh, related to issues that are important to our members in the area of there's some election-related issues that, that several members uh, have as priorities, um, and we'll see kind of where, where that may go. Uh, we've got some other Second Amendment topics that may be of significance and importance to some of the members. We're talking about that. Uh, we're looking at one thing that's very important to me uh, is a study group that is going to be legislatively led that's gonna be a look back at what we've done to address the coronavirus and the pandemic. Right, right. I, I would be the first to compliment the governor and Dr. Harris uh, on the, the difficult decisions and tasks 
that they had to manage and are still managing as we deal with the virus. But it's going to be very important for us to uh, take a group of legislators, members from the executive branch, other state agencies, um, uh, be able to look back and say, what do we do good? What did we wish we would have done different um, as far as the, the pandemic and how we responded? Uh, I think that's going to be a very important thing for us to do. And that's going to run on under the legislation or the resolution, actually, that we're, we're working on. I'm working with uh, Senator Barfoot uh, from Pike Road on that particular legislation. So that's something you're going to see that would be a priority moving forward, I'm sure. We've got about a minute left here, and I've, I want to get to a topic that I think it's, it's important to the Senate, it's important to the state, is the census delay. You know, the census has been delayed, which means it'll affect reapportionment, what federal dollars Alabama will get, and whether we lose a congressional seat. Can you address that? Well, you're correct. It is a frustrating process, and I understand because of the pandemic, there have been a, a lot of different issues that have been challenging um, in regards to the census. The good news is Alabama responded strong. We did a good job in being able to respond to the census and be able to do what was appropriate in counting Alabamians. Now, the problem that we face legislatively is that it is our task to be responsible for redistricting. So that process would have happened in a normal setting during this legislative session. But because of the ongoing delays of the information from the Bureau of the Census, then we're in a position to where we may not get that census data until even November or December of 21. I know that the Attorney General, along with several other attorneys general across America, have sued the Census Bureau asking for that information sooner rather than later. And I don't know how that's going to work out, but it will be the responsibility of the governor to call a special session and for the legislature to meet with the distinct purpose of being able to redefine the, uh, the lines for districts in Alabama's legislature, all 140 districts, as well as the state school board and members of Congress. And there's, as you said, Bill, that one big question that we still do not know the answer is Alabama going to be able to retain the seven congressional seats that we have, or may we lose one just because of the, the population growth um, that is exploding in other states like Texas, for instance. So um, that's going to be very important to us, very interesting. The timing is going to be late, so that's going to create some challenges for us. Well, there are always lots of challenges in government. Uh, from everything we hear from your constituents, they appreciate the job that you're doing uh, and, and the folks that you lead. I want to thank you for joining us today, and you're always welcome. Listen, man, it's my privilege to be with you. Thanks for what you do. Hope you guys have a great afternoon. You too. You're watching The V, the voice of Alabama politics. Our special guest has been Senate President Pro Tem, Greg Reed. We'll be right back. So you got caught speeding. But this time you got more than a ticket. What are you in for? Vehicular homicide. 
Stop speeding before speeding stops you. Drive safe, Alabama. A message from your Alabama Department of Transportation. Welcome back to The V, the voice of Alabama politics. Susan, some big news uh, that kind of got tossed to the side because of uh, John Merrill's situation, but former President Donald Trump officially endorsed Congressman Mo Brooks to become the next U.S. Senator from Alabama. That is a big, big, a coveted endorsement. It is. It's a huge deal, especially here in Alabama. Um, Lindy, I think Lindy Blanchard thought she was going to get that endorsement at some point. Yeah. It looked like she might. But then again, Trump decided that he was going to go ahead and endorse Mo Brooks, and that is a huge deal in Alabama. Rusty, it, it seems like a big deal to all of us. Uh, you, you may be more tapped in than we are, but what do you think of this endorsement? Well, I think he already had a, quite a bit of momentum. I mean, regardless of how people feel about June, uh, January 6th, um, he got a lot of name recognition. Um, he's been in radio. He's been having radio interviews across the state every week. It seems like he's on the radio uh, doing interviews. And um, uh, I think his name recognition is is far, far higher than it was in 2017 when he ran. And um, I believe that the Republican primary voters in this state, they're looking for someone who's going to be stern, conservative, a conservative voice in, in Washington. They don't see what they, they they don't like what they see in Washington. They're angry. They're hurt over what they saw in 2020 with voting irregularities, voter fraud they've seen in different states. And um, this is their way to get their voice heard is by putting someone that they believe that will stand up in Washington. And I think, I think the president's, president's endorse, President Trump's endorsement helped, but I think he was riding pretty high at this point. But of course, we're talking about 16 months away. A lot of things can happen right. between now and then. And, and Linda Blanchard, the, the other candidate who has announced, she has a compelling story from her rise from from uh, to the top in the business community. And uh, I think she has a great story. We're going to hear quite a bit about it. She has quite a bit of money and uh, she'll be a formidable player. But right now, I, I think that uh, time would be uh, Linda Blanchard and any other candidates um, ally right now, because Mo is really moving very fast. And, and uh, you know, I've heard some criticize Mo. What comp accomplishments has he made? Um, well, his conservative voting record might be what people are looking for rather than being able to bring back the pork. And, um, and of course, if you look at the 2020 returns, you know, he was, his op opposition was heavily financed from Montgomery and other areas around the state. And Mo won very decisively in that election. So the people in his area very much appreciate him. And I think he's going to carry the message that he has in, in North Alabama to other parts of the state. And I think things are going well. Now I'm not endorsing him or any other candidate, but I, I'm seeing and perceiving that he's, He's riding high right now. Josh, it seems to me that this, this type of politics where you say people don't care what you've accomplished, and, and we hear that all the time. You don't care about what a politician has accomplished as long as they're fighting for what I believe in. That's almost like a lifestyle brand, like Nike or Kylie Jenner or something like that. I mean, politics is supposed to be about accomplishing something, isn't it? 
Well, I mean, you know, a representative government is supposed to be about accomplishing something. It's about, you know, representing right, right, people right. That, uh, that are, you know, electing people that represent your interest and sending them there. And, you know, I would like to, real quick, and I, I don't know that, that Rusty was necessarily saying uh, that there was voting irregularities and voting fraud as much as people believe in them, but there was no voting irregularities or voting fraud in other states. Uh, that's a lie. Uh, that people have perpetrated in order to pass these uh, these voting laws that now are trying to attempt to suppress some votes. Uh, but and, and I think it's helping. I do think he's right that it's helping Mo Brooks that people are angry because they've been led to believe that there was some sort of fraud and things were stolen away from uh, the conservative candidate in that in that race. But uh, you know I don't know how much the Trump endorsement helps uh, 16 months from now. Uh, I think you see Trump's popularity waning already. Uh, around the country. And I think that will continue to falter. How much it falters here in this state, I don't know uh, necessarily because we've seemed to held up a lot longer for Trump than most other states. We, we've been the Trumpiest of them all. Uh, and so maybe it, it adds something to it. But at a point, Mo Brooks is going to have to do something. He's going to have to come up with a plan uh, to address some sort of a problem or some sort of an issue. And in 10 years in Congress, he's done nothing but rename a post office. So I would think that he's going to have to do something somewhere along the way to earn a vote. Well, I wonder about, and Susan, you and I have talked about this, you know, the president is actually one for three in Alabama. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't so much that he came out for Tuberville, I don't think, that really made the difference. No, I think a Republican was going to win that seat no matter what. Uh, you know, it, like Josh says, you know, we've got a while here. We'll see if the endorsement was too soon also. I mean, Rusty coming out and bashing Jeff Sessions helped Tommy Tuberville more than the endorsement, I believe. Oh, 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 absolutely, absolutely. Uh, it was a huge factor in that primary election. And, and, and really getting back to the accomplishments, you know, it, it's, again, it's, it's what the candidate is promising to do. I mean, when I was, at, I, when I was, in, I was the only legislator that was running in the race, the statewide race that I did a couple of years ago, and I passed dozens and dozens of bills and assisted House members in passing bills through the Senate. But that didn't mean tiddlywinks to the voters. I mean, it was, of course, I was outspent 10 to 1, 11 to 1 by my opponents. So I wasn't able to get my message anyway. But if I was able to get my message out, it would have been what I would have been able to do to help further the progress of this state and what I could do for the people of Alabama, not what I've accomplished. And so, uh, how, whereas Mo may not have passed very many bills and named the post office, but I think what his message is, is very strong and will be appealing to voters. And, and regardless of how much he's accomplished as a legislator, as far as passing legislation, he will, uh, he will get the people's attention on, on the, the promises he makes and the stands that he takes. Is there both Lindy Blanchard and Ambassador Blanchard and Congressman Brooks are in the same lane, Susan? Is there a way that you can bring in a thoughtful conservative that can enter into that lane and possibly win? Um, I think so. I think so. But they're going to have to be somebody that has a pretty good name recognition, uh, has a, uh, can actually get people's attention uh, to, and, and on policy and plans and things like that. There's certainly room there. There's certainly room. Because, I mean, Blanchard really doesn't have that much name recognition. And it's... As much as Mo Brooks has name recognition over the last 10 years, I don't think, I mean, there's room there for somebody in the runoff. I think there is room sure. for a business, uh, a Chamber of Commerce candidate. I think it'll be an uphill uh, climb, but I think that's possible. 
but we're going to have to leave it right there. Well, thanks for the panelists for joining us today. You've been watching The V, the voice of Alabama politics. You watch us because we watch them.